Welcome back to another episode of the Max Term Podcast. Kyle Stitcher alongside James Finch. And today we're doing round two of extension talk players who are set to be unrestricted free agents at the end of this ex- season. So they, they would need a contract. Otherwise, they would be able to talk to any team as unrestricted free agents come July 1st. So we start, we started the series with probably the top names on the market. Uh, we had a separate little Willie Nylander episode that we got out before he signed his contract. And then we went into a longer episode on Sam Reinhart, Steven Stamkos, Jake Gatso, and Brandon Montour. Talks a lot about the Florida Panthers cap situation, which is going to lead us in nicely to this kind of iteration of the extension talk. So we appreciate you listening, subscribing on any platform that you might be consuming this on, available pretty much everywhere you listen to podcasts, Max Term Podcast will will find us, uh, at Max Term Pod on X, formerly Twitter, and we're posting a lot of extension content stuff at AFP Analytics, that's generally where we post post our content and in one central hub. I would follow along there. I think we got some really cool things out, even more cool things coming up and everything. So check out at AFP Analytics on Twitter. As contracts are signed, we'll, we'll tweet out the where our projection was versus what was actually signed, some of the comps that uh, we had as driving ours, and uh, I, I think it's really good stuff. So appreciate you following along there as well. Any questions on contracts, we're always happy to answer at AFP Analytics. Best way to either get give us a mentioned there or both of our uh, personal accounts can be found any ads or anything not necessarily products that we're working with will be very clear if we are working with anyone getting paid by anyone and this is not any inside information for the contracts um i definitely have a level of information at times don't give it away here because that's confidential and i'm trusted with it so Anyways, uh, this is all based on our model. You can read about it, afpanalytics.com. Again, Twitter as well. Uh, and with that, let's get into some of th- some more contract extension talk. We're going to start with where we with maybe someone we should have included in our first episode when we were talking heavily about the For- Florida Panthers. That's Gustav Forsling, who is sneakily, I think, one of the He's maybe a top pair defenseman, probably a really good three, and he's probably going to get paid like that this offseason, if not sooner. Yeah, so I, I think I don't think we really highlighted him enough when we were talking Montour Reinhardt um, for the Panthers. Forsling is yeah, you said it, he's arguably a top pair defenseman. He's right up there. Uh We'll run through some comps in a second after we give you this contract number, but there there is one comp that sticks out to me right away that just almost situationally kind of the type of player. I love the comparison, but I guess we can just go right to the contract first. So we're thinking Forsling gets seven years. Our percentage of the cap for this contract is 8.39%. And that would put them at about 7.35 million AAV, uh, which is up there. I think it might be a little bit of a sticker shock for a lot of people who 
don't fully realize how good Gustav Forsling is, especially because there's some other big names on the blue line in Florida. There's Montour, we we talked about the last extension episode. Then there's Ekblad, who is kind of the big, well-known name for Florida. Um, Forsling is interesting. He, I guess, sneakily is there. And there's some comps I think make a lot of sense. We've got five names here. So Brent Seabrook, Ryan McDonough, Devin Taves, Hampus Lindholm, and Mark Edward Vlasic. So I don't love the Seabrook comparison quite as much. The other four names are decent. It's really the middle three that I actually like the most. So McDonough, I, I think that's a decent one. Hampus Lindholm's decent, but the one that I was kind of referencing earlier that really stuck out to me was Devon Taves. I fully agree, Devon Taves. Devon Taves, yep. Basically the exact same contract It was is what he got last, or I guess before this season. So he got it under $83.5 million cap. Forsling will get it under, we're projecting $87.5 million cap. So when we're talking percent of cap, we're using the next season projection. Um, I I think that Cap Friendly, when they post their con- their cap hit percentages, they will do it under the current salary cap until the next salary cap has been confirmed. So, for example, William Nylander just signed a couple weeks ago with the Toronto Maple Leafs. His cap hit percentage, so his eleven and a half ish million, is divided by. 83 and a half million to get what they have as the cap hit percentage we would we're gonna be operating as if it was signed under the 87 and a half million so if if in the future in this episode we do reference percentages there could be a little bit difference between cap friendly where we pull most of our uh, contract data from and what we're talking about because of we're we're kind of calculating it a little different because we think well, the season that they're going to play it under makes the most sense. So Gustav Forsling were to sign July 1st, which is a distinct possibility. He's going to sign under the 87 and a half ish million dollar cap. So that's where we're going to calculate it because I think it's just slightly better context, slightly better reference. So, but anyways, uh, tangent aside, Devontae's is a perfect comp because I think under the radar, not putting up the... Uh, quite the offensive numbers which is really solid both ways and probably not the biggest name on their teams but also just a steady solid defenseman so Devontae's again basically the exact same contract as Gustav Forsling we is what we project for Gustav Forsling very similar yeah so Taves was slightly higher I think kind of looking at the numbers exactly when their true breakout was I think it's fair that forcing would fall slightly lower but again it is very very similar and I, I think that's probably our best comp for forcing as far as what it means for the florida panthers you know we, we talked the last extension episode where we were discussing reinhardt and montour and how it was going to be tough to keep both of those guys toss in forcing to that conversation it might be tough to keep two of the three you might have to pick one of the three 
So recapping what we had said in that episode, we have Reinhardt rate around 10 million per year. Round, rounding numbers off, you can always go back, listen to it. We also will at some point at AFP Analytics I'm be publishing kind of where we see these players right now as, as extensions, but still working through a few. So we're, we're holding off and maybe we'll maybe we'll push them in batches or something, but still working through a few things. But we had Reinhardt right around $10 million per year, so $10 million AV. That's his cap hit as well. And then we had Montour, $8.5, 8600000 $8 million, give or take a little bit. And historically, when we project contracts, we're, depending on how you want to calculate the air, three hundred dollars to $500,000 off, given we're midseason right now, I'd give a little bit of a give us a little bit more of a buffer we haven't done mid-season before so we're, we're seeing kind of learning a little bit we'll see how this goes but i think i think forcing's probably coming in six and a half to seven and a half is is would be the kind of range if you will at least if you were to hit the open market so hometown discount maybe best case scenario for the panthers that's kind of where i'm going with this maybe six and a half million is the absolute best case scenario and adding that plus Montour plus Reinhardt, my quick math is getting us to about 25 million. And the can and the Panthers have, I believe, about 30 million, maybe a little bit less in cap space to work with. And that doesn't include like an Anton Lundau getting his new contract. Yeah, it's it's going to be real tough for the Panthers to really get everyone paid Lundell. Lundell's their RFA they need to pay. Then there's Reinhardt, Montour, Forsling. That really takes care of the bigger names. It's just more some depth guys. But And we won't go too in-depth right now about this because we discussed it in the last extension episode for the Panthers. But kind of looking ahead to the next season, Carter Verhage, Sam Bennett, Aaron Ekblad. They're going to need to be smart this offseason uh, when they dish out some of these contracts, knowing that they're pretty much going to have to go through it again the following year. So I fully expect at least one of those guys to no longer be a Florida Panther, really come July 1st, and possibly even two of them gone. So being where I'm, I'm starting to ramp up personally uh, into my regular, my day job, if you will, tax preparation, professional athletes, hockey players mainly. So I, one of the things that always bothers me is, is sometimes talking about hometown discounts, especially when it relates to the Tampa Bay Lightning and Florida Panthers. So there's a chance that Reinhardt, Montour, and uh, Forsling all take like 500000 to maybe even a million dollars less I would say if they all take $500,000 less than we're projecting, that would help the Panthers a lot. I don't know if they still get all three done, but they're probably putting the same amount of money in their pocket because of the tax situation in Florida as if they were to go walk and sign with a lot of other teams. So when we're talking hometown discount, they're just able to take less because they're still putting the same amount of money in their pocket because of the situation that the Panthers provide. So... I Florida could do it. It's probably going to be uncomfortable. Again, we talked about a lot in the last episode. Bobrovsky might be the the name that has to be moved to to accomplish it. But Florida Florida has a shot. 
Um, especially if they are able to leverage that kind of tax advantage that they have just where they play. It's not impossible. A lot of people have put out opinions on Reinhardt just with him having a career year, kind of what that situation's like. I want to say, I I believe it was Pierre Lebrun kind of mentioned that if Reinhardt stays in Florida, there's a chance it could be more around the Tuchuk level of the nine million, even though he could possibly get 10 or more than that on the open market. Big factor of that could be success in Florida. They want to continue it. Another big part of that, just like you said, those, uh, I guess we'll say tax advantages uh, for those Florida teams, that it could definitely help. So it's not impossible for them to keep all of them. It's just on paper it's tough, but you never know. But so there's the forcing deal. Moving on, uh, we want to talk about another defenseman who we really see as right in that same level, Noah Hannafin for Calgary. Seven-year deal, we're projecting at an 8.79%, so slightly higher than Forsling. Puts him at about 7.7 AAV, and again, that's under $87.5 million. Some of the same comps pop up, but there's some different ones. You want to run us through those names? So just like we had for Forsling, Ryan McDonough, Hampus Lindholm, which I think are both very fair for Noah Hannafin. Tori Krug, another one. Justin Falk, I think those are a little bit weaker. The one I think I like the best for Noah Hannafin, Morgan Riley's deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs. To me, that that feels like kind of a good two-way defenseman, maybe a little bit underrated, if you will, at least. I think Morgan Riley has because of the market he's playing in, but Morgan Riley's good, provides offense and and is good defensively. So Morgan Riley's probably if you're trying to figure out why are we projecting Hannafin at this, Morgan Riley's probably the player you want to think of as as his contract, and I think that's that's pretty fair in my opinion. So Riley just just for putting the wrap on it has about a about a nine percent of cap. So basically Hannafin coming in just below Morgan Riley. That feels right. I I would also say it's right. So we like that comp the most out of this group, but you know, we we've ran our model, we went through our process, and there's a reason these names popped up. So we like Riley the most, but there are similarities with a Tory Krug, a Justin Falk, even a Hampus Lindholm. So Yes, he comes in a little under the Riley deal from a percentage standpoint. It's because there are those other lower comps. But like you said, he just taking a step back from all that, it, it kind of feels right that Hannafin would slot in just under Morgan Riley. So what's interesting for Hannafin, and I, I suppose the team he's on right now, Calgary. Calgary's not terrible. They're not great. They've kind of been improving as the year's gone on. It was recently put out that a, I believe it was an eight-year deal at seven and a half was offered and then denied by Hannafin from Calgary. Now, over the offseason, it was kind of expected Calgary could trade a bunch of guys. Hannafin 
seems like it's trending. He will either leave as a free agent or he could possibly be traded at the deadline. So as far as the situation looks with his current team, I'm not really sure this contract happens with Calgary. No, it probably doesn't. I think I think what makes the most sense is let's get we have a couple other defensemen on the dock and then we'll talk about we did in the first episode potential fits who who might be yeah. interested. I think given we're about to talk about two other very similar defensemen at a very similar contract level, we'll 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 hold off on team fits for a second. But yeah, um yeah, I don't think I think if he wanted to stay in Calgary that deal's yeah, by, by I, that, that deal is accepted, I think. It, it's it's right there with their market value. I mean, if he thinks, if he or his agent thinks that he's getting significantly more than that, and, and an eight-year deal at seven and a half is a higher total value yeah. than what we have projected, I think that that would be being very optimistic, maybe outside of the reality. Maybe I think the one thing you can point to is with, more cap space like this is the first time teams are going to have more cap space in a few years but at the same point with how close teams are right now i don't think anyone's going to have an appetite to create a tight situation when they're given free space yeah the the other factor here that could come into play that i suppose could favor hannafin we we talked about montour we talked about forcing there's and there's a couple more we're going to talk about in this episode. There's a handful of guys kind of at the top of the free agent upcoming free agent market for defensemen. They're probably not all going to be there though. Some will resign. It just tends to be how it works. We can see a upcoming free agent list has a lot of good names. By the time we actually get to free agency, the list is a little bit smaller, which is really why we're doing some extension episodes right now. But to get an idea of kind of that that higher level group of defensemen, you, you mentioned there's a couple more, both on the same team. Brett Pesci, Brady Shea are are right now in Carolina. So I would push back a little, and I think that the defense group this year might be a little bit different in in given who the names are and the situations of their teams. I think Florida is going to have to choose between Montour or Forsling. I don't yeah. know if they. I don't know if keeping both makes sense, or if they're even able to keep both. Maybe. So probably one of those two hits the market. Yeah, Hannafin seems like he's going to hit the market, and we'll we'll get into Carolina a little bit more because we also have the last name we're going to probably talk about to, in this episode, Tivo Teravainen. We'll get into Carolina's situation a little bit more. Last extension episode when we were talking about Montour, I mentioned Carolina as like a possible destination because I could see them retooling their blue line again or more so. So if if Carolina's going the route I think they might go, and again, we'll get a little bit more into Carolina later, I think Pesci and Shea might be on the market. So I have a feeling that all four of these defensemen that we're talking about who we have projected very similar values for I guess Pesci a little bit lower than the other ones actually we they all could be out there which I don't know if that helps or hurts each other I I guess we'll have to see because it's 
traditionally that's a little unusual to have that many names at that high of a caliber out on the free agent market. So yeah, I, I wouldn't really be able to tell you whether it helps or hurts. In theory, it could help. Maybe someone signs for a little more and it helps drive up the price for the others. I also wonder how many suitors are going to be stepping up to pay the higher price tag. So theory, maybe a couple sign and the others kind of lose out on, I guess, the ideal bidding war scenario. Let me throw this out for, I think Hannafin's the only name that we're talking about that this potentially makes sense for. I could very much see a scenario that he's traded at the deadline with an extension basically put in place immediately with a new team. Yeah. Calgary very easily could be selling, especially if he's made it clear that he's not going to resign. I don't think they might they might sneak into the playoffs. We we just did a last last episode. You can check out our kind of midseason projections who we think will ultimately end up in the playoffs. We didn't have Calgary. Maybe they sneak in, but if he's made it clear that he's not re-signing, I think Calgary needs to trade him. Yeah. And a, n- the new team might want to acquire him with an extension in place. Carolina is not going to trade Pesci or Shea unless, unless it's in some big move that just doesn't seem to happen in hockey anymore. And Florida is not trading Forest Lane because they're going for a no. cup. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that is an interesting difference i guess between these players a little wrinkle in the hannafin situation which actually hampus lindholm one of his comps was traded and signed to an extension right away with boston so that that could make a little sense i i'm kind of on board with that being a possibility but uh, you know let's let's get into the pesci and shea deals so pesci being a right hand shot generally we might think would have a leg up as maybe having a little more value than a similar player except a left shot the thing with Pesci a reason he comes in lower than these other four names we're talking about here um, the current year hasn't been quite as good for him from a I mean Quite honestly, just a, a counting stats, the points. Um, it's not really there this year. That said, he's still a good defenseman, and I don't think that that's part of any real decline in his game. I think just situationally that's that's what's happening for him. We've got six years, 7.57%, which would come out to a tad over 66 million uh, per season now with Pesci we've got kind of a bigger list of comps kind of because he's been that solid kind of medium output of offense until now so there's kind of a weird grouping of names Johnny Boychuk Mark Giordano Alex Goligoski Ryan McDonough shows up Tyler Myers, Jared Spurgeon, Jake Muzzin, Tori Krug, Mackenzie Weger, Devon Taves. A little bit of a long list. I think this season he matches some better. Previous years for Brett Pesci, he might match some others a little bit better. And that's kind of why this uh, basket of players is a little bit 
bigger. So, for reference, this is around Mackenzie Weegers, basically, contracts where we're projecting him, and I kind of like that. I think that that makes a lot of sense, and Weeger had w- one really good year in Florida. as a, He put up some points, but he also was just really, really good defensively. I think that's exactly what Pesci is. And, I mean, I'd say that maybe that deal hasn't aged super well in Calgary for Uyghur. New situation might might play a role in that. But I also could see the same happening for Pesci to an extent. He seems to be not on the right side of the the aging curve, if you will. So on the decline to an, a little bit of an extent, I, I feel like there's been a few more injuries. I always get him and Jacob Slavin mixed up for whatever reason, probably because they've been on Carolina really good for years. Um, but I think he's missed. I think Pesci's missed some time with injuries re, uh, over the past couple of years. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, he, he's missed a few games this season as well. And last year uh, he played a full season, but before that, the fir- I, I want to say the three years before that, Definitely missed some time, 10, 15, 20 games. So injuries could be a concern signing Pesci to a long-term deal. What's interesting here is there is another defenseman who I believe is really his his partner on the blue line for the Hurricanes is Brady Shea, you mentioned. We have him a little bit higher. So six-year deal, same amount of term, but his percentage and our projection comes in at 8.42%, which is going to put him just under $7.4 million a year. So a little bit higher than Pesci. And th- this is one that's interesting to me because as far as perceptions concerned, I could see a lot of people thinking Shea and Pesci on the same level, if not Pesci above Shea. And I, I think... When you really dive into Brady Shea, he's very quietly been a good all-around defenseman in Carolina. So there's some names that pop up um, as comparables. Mike Green, Mark Giordano, Dustin Bufflin, Brent Burns, Tory Krug. We see Mackenzie Weger in there and Devon Taves again. Dmitry Orlov's in there as well. Um, so some, some players who are really good traditionally – at minimum, a very good second pair, if not a pretty good first pair. And when looking at metrics and even offensive output, that's that's kind of the grouping that Brady Shea belongs in. He can play some tougher minutes and ultimately a bigger amount of minutes each night than I think people realize. So that's kind of where we see some of these top pair names creep in as a comparison for Brady Shea. So Mike Green might be a controversial name to bring up as a comp here, but I but contract percent wise, at least cap hit kind of so cap hit percentage, AV. Again, Mike Green's been been out of hockey for a few years, so so a little bit dated there. But Mike Green had a lot of contracts right around this percent of cap. So is that the perfect comp? I don't think so i think mike green might have had a little bit more offensive ability brady shea a little bit more well-rounded but i also don't think that that's a bad one and i think i think historically both these players are a little bit underrated um as as all-round defensemen i've always been a 
kind of a fan of Brady Shea, and I think he might rightfully get a nice contract this offseason. But you you mentioned it. I'll, I'll reiterate it. One of the big reasons that he's probably going that we haven't projected for more, and I think he probably gets more, is just because he has better box score numbers and goals, assists, points. That's that's what still gets guys in the NHL paid. So the thing that Carolina is really going to need to look at this off season is they've got those two defensemen, but there's also a forward who could cost a little bit of money, assuming they want to keep him. Tavo Teravainen. So we've got a contract for him at five years, uh, percentage 7.17, and that comes out to an AAV at about 6.3, just under 6.3 million. Some comparables, and I kind of like this list a lot for Teravainen. Alex Steen, Louis Erickson, Matt Zuccarello, Andre Palat, and Ryan Callahan. All kind of right in that very good middle six winger. Pretty decent defensively for the most part from that group, um, which is, I think, what Teravainen's really known for. Doesn't load up the stat sheet, and I think that kind of goes without saying, considering he's more of that middle six winger. But just extremely responsible defensively. Past couple of years haven't quite been as good as I think people have known Teravainen to be, but that perception of him being a very strong defensive forward I I think is still there, and it's going to help him get a nice deal like this. So really the perfect comp is Andre Paul. That that contract was very recently signed, so it was signed under a smaller cap, so Paul Six million AAV is going to carry a slightly higher percentage of cap than than Teravainen, but but they're right there. So that's exact. That comp to me is absolutely perfect. It makes a ton of sense. Reputations there. Uh, so if you want, if you want to think why why our projection for Teravainen is what it is, Andre Pot, and and I think that that's all that needs to be said. I will say we. Kind of had Teravine was someone we looked at a little more critically. First, like iteration through, had a little bit higher um, average annual value projected. Tweaked a few things in the projection, brought brought him down a little bit, and I think I'm. I think it sounds a lot better where he is. I think initially he was pushing seven mil, over six and a half, pushing seven million um, AAV. So I think closer to six, and again being able to rattle off Andre Pollard as a comp makes me feel really good about this this projection i i definitely agree i i think this is one that is going to be interesting for the team and like i had mentioned with these two defensemen and taravine and let's say they wanted to keep all of them we're looking at uh about 20 million for a team like carolina who doesn't usually like to sign bigger long-term deals i don't really see them keeping all three of these guys pesci six years shea six years teravine in five years so i i think it'll be interesting how the hurricanes decide to tinker with their lineup and really their core it wouldn't shock me to see all three of these guys walk i 
unless they lift the cup, I think that that's probably what happens. I it feels like we we've we've done a roster building episode in the past, so won't get a ton into it. But I have a mentality that once you've run out the same core a couple seasons over and getting the same results, it's time to make some tweaks. Teravainen would 100% be a part of that core. Pashi would 100% be a part of that core. Shea, maybe, maybe, maybe not. We can art, we could debate about that. We're not going to for this episode. But two, two definite core pieces, you... I don't want to say you have the opportunity because they are still good players, but there there's an out and uh, and an ability to move on. I would not be surprised if Carolina does so and spends that money elsewhere again, like a Brandon Montour, even if they wanted to just tweak things around, get a different impact. And something I'll bring up, and I believe we mentioned it in the last extension episode when we were talking about Montour and Carolina specifically. This past offseason, they were supposedly after Carlson, and if they have interest in that similar style defenseman, Montour would be a very good fit, Um, which almost kind of leads me down to this thought of Carolina kind of seems like they're willing to target the elite players and might be willing to do that long-term deal. And then that next tier down is where they kind of try and be a little smarter and say, okay, this is getting a little too pricey. Not going to do that. What was interesting last year that they brought in Orlov, short deal. It kind of fits that Carolina, we're going to keep, cap flexibility here we're not going to get into anything too long term that could go bad I kind of get that vibe with these three players Pesci Shea and Taravainen is they might steer clear of that because they're not quite elite players they, they might want to stay away from that risk of the second half of those deals so let's let's stay in Carolina a touch longer about what we think that they we think there's a very strong chance that they let all these guys walk. Ironically, I could see the other two names that aren't currently on their roster as like potential targets for them. Like Forsling and Hannafin, I could again if they want to retool some things, I, I like Montour better as a fit, but Hannaf Hannafin would be right there as well for me. I think Forsling maybe is a little too similar to what Carolina currently has so I'm not I I think maybe Hannafin could be an idea I like Montour the most as an idea for Carolina at least uh if they were to shuffle the deck on the blue line via the free agent market I if I was Carolina I'd be looking for some more punch up front and by punch I mean scoring punch offensive output so I have two two hot hot names hot takes one i think actually we can talk out and will make a ton of sense i'll save that one for a second gonna go with the hot take one first this one that i i think i'm gonna be driving the train for an offer sheet for this player elias petterson would be a fun offer sheet by carolina because hey they, they they've done it they'll do it so 
why is Pe- like Vancouver's got the cap space, but Carolina has more and could make Vancouver a little uncomfortable. And I know that Aho is a one C, but man, could you imagine Aho and Pedersen one two down that Carolina lineup? I, I think the real thing to point out there is, yeah, Aho is a one C, but they don't really have a true two C. So it would make a lot of sense that they would be looking for a center for the upper half of their lineup. It could get uncomfortable for Vancouver if they did that. Vancouver's also needing to sign Philip Hronick, who's having a great season. And Vancouver will have some space to work with, but if you're off if your player is getting an offer sheet from another team and it is I mean, I'm gonna say eleven plus, but it, it could be 12 plus in this scenario not easy to deal with that and yeah like you said Carolina has shown they'll do it I kind of like the idea I I don't think it'll happen but it would make a lot of sense for this team really my campaign 2024 is Nashville offer sheet Elias Pedersen but I'll 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 let Carolina be the vice president on my ticket for this one (laughs) if you will so so that that's my hot boulder one but I think I think the one that makes actually a lot of sense and you've been on record saying that this might be a trade that might happen sooner than later. You actually kind of started talking about the idea before some of the insiders made it known that, Hey, it actually is a reality. Trevor Zegras, I think would probably be a perfect two C for Carolina. So I agree with you. The reason I had Trevor Zegras, he was the first name I had thought of. And then Patterson kind of talked, popped into my name that I wanted to add as well. Zegers would be an ideal 2C because Car- that's where Carolina's hole is. Ajo's can play 1C. I mean, if Pedersen comes in, Pedersen can be 1, Ajo 2. But Zegers, 2C, provides more offensive creativity, more offensive scoring. But you've been the guy driving the Zegers trade train for a little while. So talk about why it makes sense. Yeah, so I, I've kind of... Th- thought this could be a thing going back beginning of this past off season even it kind of seemed like the hype for Zegras was a little bit more than what his actual play was and I think that it was a really big issue because he's on a rebuilding team so it was kind of viewed as like this is his team with Zegras I don't think it means he is bad or not going to be good. I just kind of wondered if it would be better for him to be somewhere else where he isn't kind of the, the main person expected to be the one who writes the ship. So you you mentioned, I think most hockey fans know this, Sebastian Ajo is a first-line center. Zegers being able to slot in on the second line, that, that could actually really help him, and I think take a little pressure off of him moving in later into the off season when is his deal getting done why isn't it done yet now there's leaks it might not be long term it's going to be a short term deal so now this team isn't really committing to him just kind of seems like a I don't know. I, I don't want to say a bad relationship, but 
it, it kind of seemed like without anyone actually questioning if he was their franchise guy, a short-term deal was questioning that. Now factor in, okay, they've got Leo Carlson, center, Mason McTavish, center. Both are pretty much penciled in top six centers for the future. Where does that leave Zegras? On the wing? Potentially. Could happen. Maybe they just have three really good centers. I just, I don't know. I don't see the fit. It, it seems like as time goes on, he's less of a fit long-term for Anaheim. Also recently acquired Cutter Gauthier, as well as another, he's not a center prospect, but another top scoring type prospect. Yep. So Zegers, let me make this analogy for kind of maybe the fan listening who's followed hockey for a little while. To me, the Zegers situation, Anaheim's not dissimilar to P.K. Subban in Montreal in that the team kept dragging their feet, dragging their feet, dragging their feet, and eventually it kind of reached a point where there was bad blood on both sides and neither side was real happy, and that ultimately led to a, a divorce, basically. That that seems where the Zegras anaheim thing's headed, and maybe the it just gets pulled. The trade happens sooner than later. Yeah, so I... The other thing that factors into this is so season gets underway. I think Zegras coming out, playing very well, producing some points. Maybe this whole situation and the built-up tension that really this feels like, maybe that all subdues a little bit, goes away. He looks good. He's performing. Didn't really happen. He's hurt now. It just kind of feels like, icing on the cake even though there might have already been icing on the cake because of the contract situation Zegras out of Anaheim that's I, I feel like it's going to happen a lot of different insiders really have picked that up since that deal they made with the Flyers um, maybe Zegras is next this seemed a little predictable like you mentioned and I'll, I'll bring it up and say it again I thought really beginning of the offseason this past year, it seemed like this was a road that it was very possible they were going to go down. And it, I would be, I, I think it's much more likely than not he's not an Anaheim Duck next season. Let me add a quick disclaimer yeah. here. Um, we're not reporting anything. We're not necessarily saying that we're reporting something beside the insiders got it. No. We're just we're yeah. just connecting some dots and making some very educated, logical conclusions, guesses, especially with the direction of the team. So just want to make that clear. We're not necessarily reporting. Trevor Zegers is on the move, but we could. No. It makes a lot of sense for all the reasons we just laid out. The but, clues have been there for a while, and yes, this isn't any reporting of information it's just simply this started as maybe a non-situation and things keep happening that just feed the idea of he's no longer a duck soon we we've paid attention to to the sport we like we've seen enough situations that yeah it just it makes a lot of sense so going get now getting back to how it connects to carolina let let me say i like the i like a trade fit because you ran through a bunch of Anaheim's top prospects. They have a lot of top-end talent. They don't have a lot of middle, like, six forward depth. 
and I think that's where Carolina's has some young players that could actually make a lot of sense. What what could be kind of funny is actually Aspari Kokaniemi could make sense for Anaheim as like a three C as the defensive guy because he's not good enough to be Carolina's two C. And then yeah. of course that's that's not enough, but some other guys like a Jarvis and I mean um Nekis potentially so he, here's what i'll say so Nekis, that's gonna be an interesting situation i wouldn't trade him straight up for trevor zegers uh, if anaheim if i'm anaheim i take that deal and so this kind of gets to a thought of I'm curious to see what the return for Zegris ends up being, assuming he's traded. Because I think if you really go and look at the numbers, you're not going to find what you think Trevor Zegris is. So I don't know if perception is enough in his case. I think there's still great potential, but certain players... So I'll use... Uh, Martin Neckis as an example. To me, he's already better than Trevor Zegers pretty easily. So that it would need to be Zegers and more for him. So looking at Carolina's roster, I, I like the Kakaniemi idea, but if it's Kakaniemi, it's you're probably looking at like a Jack Drury and some picks that type of package. I could be wrong. Maybe Zegras goes for a very high-end player, a clear, like, top-line guy. But even then, so Martin Natchez, he's a top-six forward. I would rather have him as a top-six forward than Trevor Zegras as a top-six forward. I don't know if perceptions change, but I'll just say a couple of years ago I had heard uh, some not the same thing, not the same opinions on Martin Neckes from some people in the industry. So they're like, this is sometimes we're looking at different numbers, watching different things, but not knowing the same things. So I don't, I think that Mark and Neck, it still would take Neckes plus when considering also just the contract situation Nekis will be a restricted free agent with arbitration rights and very getting very close to unrestricted free agency where Zegras still has some runway to work with so I think it's Nekis I'm not saying it's a ton more yeah but it could be so this could be an interesting if Zegras got healthy and came back Kokaniemi Nekis for Vetrano and Zegras it, Not like the deadline or something. That would be interesting. That could make a lot of sense. I think, so, the overarching thing here that is really what is going to matter here is what is the perception of Zegris. Um, are there teams who think he can still be a 1C? how many of them think that are teams really just thinking two C tops. Maybe he's better on the wing. These are all questions we don't really have the answer to. I guess I'll, I'll say this is kind of my final opinion for Zegris. I'm interested in the player to an extent. Um, 
I'm hesitant about it if I need to give up higher-end assets. And if I'm a contending team, I'm a little hesitant about assets that are already contributing positively to my team. Because maybe Zegris comes in and does that, but he hasn't been doing that for Anaheim. I, I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, what it's probably an off season. Like we all, it, everyone always probably. says it's it's probably an off season move, and that's probably what it is. Again, I I think my I think my idea of like Kokaniemi plus Nekis for Vetrano and um, Zegers could make a level of sense in the off season as well. Probably benefit Carolina a little more to get it done in season if Zegers is back and healthy, maybe. But anyways, we we've spent we've went down the Trevor Zegers rabbit hole. This is supposed to be an episode yeah. on Carolina and, well, and other free agents, but but I think Carolina, where where we ended up on the tangent there with Zegras is because we think Carolina is going to ultimately retool their roster. Zegras could be a player that makes sense, so we we honestly probably expect all of Pesci, Shea, and Taravainen to hit the open market. Again, maybe Montour could be a fit for Carolina to come back. So let's let's get outside the Carolina bubble and talk about fits for basically the players we've covered in this episode. So again, that's uh, four defensemen. Got Gustav Forsling. We have projected around seven point three million AV. Noah Hannafin projected around seven point six AV. Both of those seven-year deals. Brett Pesci, six years, 6.6 million AV. Brady Shea, six years, 7.4, we'll call it AV around there. And then we have Tivu Teravainen. Thought I was going to get through the whole episode without butchering his name. (laughs) Didn't happen. Five years, 6.3 million AV. So let's start with the defenseman. Who do we see as fits there? I mean, you can listen back who we talked about Montour, but as you start to work down and the players are a little less expensive and maybe playing slightly different roles, maybe some other teams start to pop out. One team I really like, I don't particularly know why, for Hannafin would be Arizona Coyotes. Feels like they could sign a bigger name or two this offseason with their younger core kind of really starting to come together and perform i i would like to see them sign a higher end defenseman i'm gonna toss out buffalo i think they kind of needed a top four defenseman this past offseason didn't really get one will be interesting to see how they maneuver cap space looking out long term for the team but they could potentially add a defenseman again we we ran through a buffalo kind of longer term outlook outlook a couple months ago so that that you can find on our on our basically profile um in in the podcast archives if you will and i think the conclusion is they have room to make a move if they want they can't break the bank but i think they can make a move i so i was going to i was i always forget what shot they are what shot side some of these guys are so i was going to suggest forsling then i look left shot hannafin left shot shea left shot pesci right shot 
possibly makes more sense. To me, Pesci, Pesci maybe makes a little bit more sense and maybe stylistically with, with what they need might also make a little bit more sense. So we've we've talked about Buffalo as a fit for Pesci in other like episodes oh, yeah. going back. I like I think I like him as the best fit. I'm not saying no to Hannafin, but they yes. would have a lot of left shot guys for what that's worth. True. Delane Power. It seems like Ryan Johnson will be a long term piece. Matias Samuelson. Those are all left shot guys. And then you add Noah Hannafin. That's a fifth left shot in, in your top. So you have five or six of your regulars as left shot guys. So I. Pesci to me makes a little bit more sense there. Yeah, I, I would say I agree. Another team I kind of wonder about who I don't think we've really speculated uh, when we were talking Montour. I mean, that's kind of a little bit higher in salary. Tampa Bay Lightning. They don't have a lot of space coming up. They've got about $10 million to work with, and Stamkos is a free agent. I think they would be able to free a tiny bit from their forwards. Here's the thing with them. I think they need to be smart and kind of fill out their depth a little more than go after the bigger fish. And I want to say that is what they believe, too, with kind of how they've handled the Stamco situation. That said, I wouldn't put it past them necessarily to be in on one of these bigger names, especially kind of trying to cling to the maybe ever so slight window they think might still be open i don't love the fit but i could see it as a possible road they go down another team that kind of stands out to me I'll, I'll throw out one more here i'm gonna say the florida panthers and i'll i'll kind of put it this way Every few hundred thousand dollars up to a million matters. Could they, in theory, they keep forcing, maybe they let Montour walk and instead sign Brett Pesci? That type of, I, I guess it's multiple moves, but that, that type of sequence of moves for a team that is really tight with cap space could make some sense that maybe they're not getting as good of a defenseman, but the hurt of losing Montour would be a little bit less bringing in Pesci as a replacement and save roughly two mil. I didn't know exactly what direction you were going to go. Cause if you had said, let Forsling walk and bring in Pesci as his replacement, that yeah. also wouldn't like, no. Yeah. Yeah. It, it could have again we're talking dollars i'm not like you're not saving as much that way so but yeah i yeah for i mean if four loses reinhardt montour absolutely they could be dipping into the pool as you said and looking to save million two million whatever some teams i i'm kind of like looking at we talked i'll start with one we talked about in the Mont when we talked about Montour, the Dallas Stars. Um, I don't know. We talked about they might not have salary cap space to work enough space to fit someone this offseason, but 
if they could make it work, these th- maybe one of these guys makes a lot of sense. I kind of like Forsling maybe as a fit best for them. Hannafin could be fun as well. I I just I'm not going to reiterate everything we talked about last time we talked about the stars could make space, but I think it would be uncomfortable for them. And maybe it might not be worth it for what for anyone but Montour, maybe. So I, I think it could work though. I mean, Matt Duchesne, I want to say they probably lose him anyways. Maybe not, but I guess Thomas Harley's a defenseman they're going to have to pay soon. So that that deal might kind of dictate how they act in free agency but there's enough space there i think there's potential if they want to go grab one of the bigger guys they could um so i i like i like that fit i think we we discussed montour but even those other guys i i think they'd be on the table calgary flames just like you laid out with the panthers if they lose some guys they might have to replace them i Again, I don't know exactly what direction they're going to go, but we'll get to Chris Tanov in a future episode, but most likely Hannafin and Tanov gone. So there's two spots on the blue line. Hopefully Oliver um, Killington is back and back to a level of playing really good hockey, but that's a question mark. So maybe it's only one spot, but. Well, yeah, looking at some of the other guys as well, they could use a sh- they could use any of the defensemen we're talking yeah. about. Obviously, if Hannafin walks, he's not going back there. So Calgary, just like you laid out for Florida, someone goes out, someone might need to come in. So those are the boring teams. Let me let me throw out two more slightly exciting teams. First, I'll say the Montreal Canadiens. They could use a solid, steady defenseman. That feels like a team that gets Brady Shea. I don't know why, but I want to say Shea might be the more under the radar of this group, even though we actually have him getting a higher cap hit. That kind of feels like the right fit. I don't know if Hannafin would really be going to Montreal. What'll be interesting with Montreal is they've got some younger guys on the blue line. Then they've got a Michael Matheson, David Savard. I don't know if they would necessarily gear towards like a right shot or a left shot. I think just in general, it's how can we improve? So uh, they should be interested in really any one of the names. Um, I, I just... Brady Shea kind of feels like the move they make. I could see Forsling as well. Maybe not quite the. I mean, I think I think teams are recognizing how good he is, but at the same point, he doesn't have the quite the same numbers either. That maybe he flies a little under the radar. Yeah. Let me throw out. I maybe the team that might be surprising because we might think they need to spend their money elsewhere but also would make a lot of sense and Hannafin connected to them makes a ton of sense the Boston Bruins yeah I feel like that connection has kind of always been there with Hannafin it 
could make a lot of sense. I mean, they may lose Matt Grieslick. Um Kevin Shattenkirk's a free agent. They'll have space on the blue line to add. I don't know if it will be at the level of a Hannafin, but, I mean, Boston's actually just under $26 million to work with next year. A lot of those performance bonuses from last year are coming off the books. Got a decent amount of UFAs where a little bit of money is coming off. They, I could see it. It wouldn't shock me. That also, as I laid out earlier this episode, it also could be a scenario where they do a, uh, trade him at the firm at the deadline and sign him immediately to a to an extension because if they could get him fifty percent retained, they might be able to fit that now. Or so, like his his contract now is very fittable, especially at fifty percent. Maybe they can make that work and then uh, and then give him an extension, keep him long term, while having him for the playoffs this year. Because frankly, looking at their defense after McAvoy and Lindholm, it's not great. No, it it, it isn't. The good news is it kind of it opens up. It's not you're not stuck long term really with anyone. So it, I, I guess. Brandon Carlo, he comes back, but that's a reasonable deal, 4.1 mil a year. But, yes, yeah, so they're going to have some holes on the blue line, and Hannafin would potentially make sense. I'd wonder if somehow, I, I'm not really sure how they get it done this year. If if there's a deal with Calgary where they acquire Hannafin, but also Lindholm. It might get a little funky financially. They might have to send someone out, and I'm not really sure who it would be. Um, but those are two players I could see them both signing long-term with Boston. They kind of have the need for both and the cap space for both. Yeah, we'll get to uh, Lindholm a little bit in a future episode. I think yep. our preliminary projection has them like eight to eight and a half million per year. Subject, yeah. subject to change that those are not finalized. Oh, but yeah. I think we have. I think we have a. Pe- I pencil it in right right around there. Let's say eight and a half pencil in. Um, so if if you're listening as a Bruins fan listener, eight and a half plus what set? We'll just say seven and a half for Hannafin for some easy easy math as we're recording this so that's 16 million leaving him 9 million in space with not a ton of other like debrusque DeBrusque. That, that would be the question we've if also still there not to go down this rabbit hole really but we, we've discussed the goalie situation that they could come they could decide to make a decision move one of them before losing potentially Olmark for nothing, which would free up a little space as well. And there's there's enough ability to kind of go down multiple different routes here for Boston if they want to. Um, but yeah, I, I, kind of coming back to where we were, Hannafin, I like the fit. I want to specify I don't think they would look at Pesci. He would improve the team, but with McAvoy and Carlo there, I feel like they would really want to sign a left shot. They could afford Pesci, and they could use maybe one more right shot, but just from an asset management perspective, I, I don't think that's quite the right fit. 
we've thrown out some teams for the defensemen. Tevo Teravainen. This is an interesting, interesting player because, like, like we said, he's that pretty good middle six guy, and we used Andre Palat as an example for contract comparison. So in my head, I kind of think of, is are there teams out there who kind of could use their own version of Andre Palat? Rangers? I mean, Rangers need forwards, whether it's center or wing. I feel like they could potentially be a fit for a Teravainen. So real quickly, speaking of, I don't, I don't want to go back to the defenseman too much, but speaking of Andre Pallat and where he is currently, New Jersey Devils, uh, Brett Pesci would be a great fit for the Devils. Just, just, just throwing that out there. Uh, but we'll, we'll move on. I don't know if that's where they spend their money. But I, yes, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. But potentially, yeah, it, yeah. that that could be an idea. I don't know if the Rangers. I don't I don't know. Um my issue with the Rangers is they have multiple guys who are I'm not going to say similar, but they have multiple middle six wingers in my opinion. Kind of it, it really depends honestly it depends what Lafreniere kind of finishes the season out as. If you can put Lafreniere and Panarin on your top line and feel good about that, then yes, um, I I think you you do now have a spot for Teravainen. But if Lafreniere basically is Teravainen, Kreider, I mean I know Hedl is more of a center, but like he's he's not dissimilar of a player. Then you have Kako, who I know is a th- probably more of a third line player, if that at this yeah. point. But would would Teravainen be an Improvement, yes, but I'm not sure enough. So one, one just who. It really, to me, it really depends on what Lafreniere, what we think Lafreniere is, and the good news for the Rangers is they'll they have till the end of the season because Teravainen, if he's available, it's July first. Yeah, uh, the one thing I'll say with New York is they just need depth. I can count pretty much five forwards who are there long-term. So, yeah, Tara Vinan, I guess, could get a little repetitive. At the same time, I have trouble really believing that when, again, they only have five forwards long-term. And by long-term, I mean, like, more than two seasons down the road. Factoring in cap space they have some but not a ton I could see like a Teravine and move and then someone not quite as good and that kind of takes their cap space and eventually Lafreniere is going to need a deal eventually Keandre Miller is going to need a deal Ryan Lindgren's going to need one this offseason Braden Schneider it's honestly possible they won't even be able to afford Teravainen. So I don't – maybe stylistically they can find someone different 
for the same price or cheaper, but I don't think they can shoot much higher than Teravinen. I I would think if I was them, I'd rather have two three million dollar players than one six million dollar player. To be honest, potentially, um, yeah. And that would speak right to the need for depth. And so one more player, Shesterkin, is also going to need a deal, which is going to be significant. <laughs> Not this off season, but the following. Yeah. So I I don't know if I don't know if the Rangers dipping in for. T- I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't. I also wouldn't discount them doing it, but me personally, I I spend my money elsewhere if I'm the Rangers. Okay, I'm not going to say that this team should sign Teravainen, but he feels like a player for this team. Seattle Kraken. Yeah, so if we really want to talk about repetitive, (laughs) he would certainly fit in with Seattle. Don't have to spend too much time on it, but we're on record pretty much saying Seattle's a pretty good team. They just are missing that elite player. That's not Tara Vinan. So I, I think that's a situation where it's it's really repetitive because they don't necessarily need a middle six forward. They've, they've got that. So it, that would be... He would certainly fit in, but I don't think that would be the best way to allocate salary cap resources, so cash too. Okay, so I think I'll give you two serious suggestions. Both teams that are definitely not contenders right now but need to, but maybe could use a good, responsible two-way player and have the money to spend. We talked about Anaheim Ducks a lot already. They have a lot of younger players, so if they could, they have they brought in Alex Kalorn. They could bring in Teravine, and they could have two kind of guys you can trust defensively to pair with the younger players to get the offense output, let them learn, but also have someone that can kind of be a a safe fallback for them as well. And then the Blackhawks uh, with Chicago. with Bedard. With Bedard would make a lot of sense here. So as as soon as you kind of started explaining that, Chicago popped right in my head. Teravinen would be going back to Chicago. And yeah, looking at how the year has gone for Bedard, I think it would make a lot of sense to bring in a forward who's known for his defensive play. Whether that's definitely what they get out of him for most of that contract, I will see. But that would be a very good fit. And I, to speak specifically for, on the Chicago idea, Bedard's come in and he's scored. The underlying metrics aren't there yet. Uh, they're, they're not good. So bringing in just quality hockey players who are responsible both ends of the ice and surrounding Bedard in that, that might be just as important as signing a scoring winger for Bedard, if if not more important, because Bedard's he's he's pretty much got that part of the game. He's producing very well for a rookie. It's it's that kind of two way play, the defensive side where he's struggling. So kind of another team that maybe could use a more defensively responsible forward to pair with what they have, Ottawa Sanders. I feel like it makes a lot of sense to swap out Tarasenko for Teravainen. Like salary wise, it would be a little bit more for Teravainen, but 
just how your lineup's constructed, Teravainen would make a lot more sense in there, in my opinion, than than Tarasenko. I I definitely agree. They've got a lot of younger players who I think are going to score for them. Having that more responsible defensive forward, I, I think that would actually be real, real good for them. And kind of looking right now at how their lineup's kind of fallen, they could use a middle six winger. And whether he gets up to a second line and is playing with guys like Batherson, Tim Stutzla, or if he's kind of down with like a, oh, let's say, well, Josh Norris is usually towards the top of the lineup, but maybe he he skates with like a Ridley Gregg. Shane Matt, Pinto potentially. Shane Pinto. Once I was going to say they could try and build an interesting kind of third line with like a Matthew Joseph. Yeah. That would be intriguing, I think. And yeah, yeah, I think overall a little bit better of a fit than Tarasenko, which honestly, I, I think Ottawa ends up trading Tarasenko at the deadline here. But yeah, Taravine, and I, I like that fit. I like Ottawa. I just kind of threw Tarasenko out because uh, if we're looking like looking at Ottawa's current cap situation, they don't have a ton of roster spots. Yeah, a ton of players coming off the books next year, similar salary. So it basically saying slot. it can fit. It can easily fit. Yep. So that that to me actually might be the best fit for Taravainen given where the team is plus well where the team thinks they they are at least and kind of the player he is i honestly think i like those last few teams i'm gonna say last two so chicago and ottawa i don't know if i would do that if i'm anaheim after just signing Kalorn. but i i like chicago i think chicago needs to be targeting that type of player and I think we we just walk through it with Ottawa. They they do too, for sure. Any other teams we want to touch on for for fits before we before we call call this episode? You know, I I really don't. Well, I'll, I'll toss out one more that probably will spend a little bit of money. Washington Capitals, just overall depth. I, I suppose they could go after a Terravine and maybe a team that's a little bit ready to retool slash maybe even rebuild, but I don't think they will as long as Ovechkin's playing. So potentially I I could see that Anthony Mantha's leaving. So, I I mean, there's one spot he could slide into, but you've also Pacioretty didn't really work out. Seems like they'll at least try and retool. So maybe, maybe the Capitals for Terabine, but I, I honestly don't like that as much as I like a Chicago or a Ottawa. Let me let me add one last team, and this is this is if a if a situation doesn't play out how ho- the hopeful situation, Gabe Landeskog or I'll, I'll say Gabe Landeskog can't come back from yeah. his injury in Colorado. Chuskin is in the player assistance program right now. Not going to speculate there, but there's there's two 
two top end players for Colorado that have some questions about their long term future. Landis Cog probably more so. Um, so if that if that if he can't come back, Teravainen as a replacement for Landis Cog could make a level of sense. It would be interesting. I think they'd kind of have to stick to that cap hit level or a little bit lower. So I yeah I don't think they're going out and like being players for a Sam Reinhart to replace Landis Cog. So that fit makes sense, definitely. So with that, appreciate you listening. Appreciate you uh, following along, subscribing. At AFP Analytics on Twitter is where a lot of our extension work is going to be posted as it, as it becomes available. Any questions, always welcome them at AFP Analytics on Twitter. Feel free to also uh, hit a, hit our personal handles up as well. They can be found from there. And uh, we appreciate you listening, subscribing, and all that. And uh, we'll talk to you next time.